And all I'm saying that if they're not happy here, they can leave. They can leave. Actually, you could leave, Mr. President. We'd all be happy. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Just a thought. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, where maybe, maybe they uh, dodged a bullet. We'll find out. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your convenience on the information superhighway. Remember when they used to call it that? Yes, on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week on the disinformation superhighway. Uh, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. I cannot tell you how annoyed and bothered that I am to even have to talk about some of this nonsense that I'm going to have to talk about on today's show regarding, yes, Donald Trump and his appalling racist tweet storm over the weekend, which continues until today. I don't want to talk about it, but you know what? It feels to me that those of us who don't talk about it, at least to condemn it, are sort of de facto not only endorsing it, but allowing it to continue to get still worse and even more dangerous than it already is. And make no mistake... It is dangerous, and we remain a nation uh, facing an emergency under this presidency, one that is getting worse, not better, and it will continue to get worse until this president is out of office one way or another. I will try to open up the phone lines as well in a little bit if you'd like to ring in to condemn the president of the United States, or I suppose if you'd like to support his appalling, dangerous, racist efforts to continue to divide this country in hopes of, I guess, winning re-election. I guess that's his point. Uh, You can call in as well. Of course, uh, if you'd like to support him, you're going to have to face me on that as well, which is always uh, welcome. I always enjoy that. Our phone number will be 818-985-5255. 
5735. If you want to queue up now, that phone number again is 818-985-KPFK. Uh, but we've got some other business I need to get to from over the weekend, uh, some related, some not that we need to get to uh, first today, and for which I believe KPFK News Director Ernesto Arce will join us shortly. Yes, he will. Oh, good. Hi, Des. Hi. Uh, after a weekend of uh, reporting on the uh, terror and fear that Donald Trump is using to strike at the heart of American communities, Ernesto, uh, he's doing this around the nation, but Ernesto Arce has been covering it here in L.A., and he will tell us if it has been successful here in my community, right here in Los Angeles. Uh, But before we get there, the tropical depression, Barry failed to unleash catastrophic flooding in New Orleans so far anyway, but it still swamped parts of Louisiana with up to 17 inches of rain and transformed part of the Mississippi Delta into, quote, an ocean, according to the governor of Mississippi. Although Barry was downgraded from a tropical storm Sunday afternoon, its torrential rains continued to pose a threat on Monday. And I think that threat is going to continue uh, for the next several days at least. Much of Louisiana and Mississippi are currently under flash flood watches, as were parts of Arkansas, eastern Texas, western Tennessee, and southeastern Missouri. Uh, Desi Doyen, our producer. Hi, Des. Hello. Uh, We talked last week about the threat that then Hurricane Barry, which sort of spun up out of almost nowhere last week in the Gulf, that it posted, uh, that it posed, I'm sorry, to um, to New Orleans, specifically after a deluge last week uh, before the uh, the storm even spun up at all. They got about 10 inches of rain. Uh, they've had a spring of record flooding in, cent- in the uh, central U.S. that has all ended up down in New Orleans, where the river was just one foot below flood level before the weekend. And then the threat of a three to five foot storm surge accompanying Barry and as much as of 20 inches of rain that was predicted if Barry hit New Orleans directly, all of which might have added up to at least 20 feet of flooding on the Mississippi which threatens to overwhelm the city's new pumping system and overtop the city's levees, uh, which, as it turned out, uh, stand at 20 feet themselves. Uh, so, But I hate to say it uh, because I also said this the day after Katrina when we were on air, but it seems like New Orleans has dodged a bullet with this storm. Yes. Am I more correct now than I was with Katrina? Uh, yes, yes, you are more correct now than you were with Katrina because what happened in New Orleans and what they were warning about was, as you said, it's that compound flooding of the Mississippi River being in flood stage, historic flood stage since January, yeah. which that's never happened in recorded history in the United States before, and also the storm surge from uh, Tropical Storm Barry, plus the really excessive rainfall totals that they were predicting. So what happened was the storm surge came and it did back up and slam into the Mississippi River flooding, but the rains were delayed. The rains didn't arrive until today. So in that effect, yes, New Orleans and Baton Rouge, which uh, got a huge catastrophic flood back in 2016, some of those properties only just now got repaired. So yeah, they dodged a bullet in that respect because the rainfall waited until after the storm surge 
surge and the Mississippi mm. River had already fallen back down again. So there is still a very strong flash flood problem and warning that is in effect for Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi, and uh, even into parts of Tennessee. So it is not over yet. And that's no. the important thing that the National Weather Service is trying to help people understand because here's the big deal. 90% of deaths in the United States from tropical storms, like Barry, yeah. they come from water, not from the wind. Right. 90% of deaths are from the water. And half of those are from people who try to drive in their cars through flooded water. So they want to make sure people understand the flash flood warning continues. It'll continue through the end of the week as the storm moves through to the mid-Atlantic states and to the East Coast. And they say, just do not drive in that stuff. I hope the uh, folks at WHIV 102.3 in New Orleans, the voice of dissent, are uh, paying close attention. We hope they are safe and dry. And yes, I do worry uh, about that because that now tropical depression Barry is moving up the Mississippi all the way up. I mean, and that oh, means yeah. all that rain is going to one way or another end up down in New Orleans. And it I'm is, hoping yeah. the uh, the new pumping system holds out. Uh, and the levees uh, on the river, the earthen dams, I guess, on the river down there. So and, and this, this is not is, over for the next few days. It's still. not even over yeah. for pretty much anybody who is along the lower Mississippi River watershed. The uh, forecast is that it, that the Mississippi River may not recede below flood stage until the end of the summer. Really? Yes. And wow. this is a problem because, you know, a lot of the uh, berms that are the levees on the Mississippi River, they're made of dirt. And yeah. those earthen berms were not designed to hold back water for months and months and months on end. Speaking of which, uh, a great conversation with actor, comedian, filmmaker Harry Shearer on the broadcast, uh, on our previous broadcast. Uh, Harry Shearer, of course, provides many of the voices for The Simpsons. He's well known for uh, playing the uh, the bassist in the movie This Is Spinal Tap. Uh, Shearer lives in New Orleans. He spoke with our guest, ho- our guest host, Nicole Sandler, on Friday. She covered for us late last week. Thanks, by the way, Nicole. Uh, find her at NicoleSandler.com. Uh, but they talked, Shearer and uh, Nicole talked about what has been done by the Army Corps of Engineers in New Orleans since Katrina and the various disasters and corruption and problems with this new pumping and levee system and much more. You uh, can and should download that conversation if you missed it uh, at Bradblog.com. Also, Nicole's conversation with presidential candidate Mike Gravel is worth as well worth a download. Uh, you can find them all at bradblog.com, of course, or your favorite podcast site. They are all free for the download. Thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to make all of our shows available to all forever for free, I hope. So thank you for that support. Um, all right. Well, the uh, Trump administration... Uh, said Monday that it will end asylum protections for most immigrants who arrive at the U.S.-Mexico border in a major escalation of the president's battle to tamp down immigration, AP is reporting today. According to a new rule published in the Federal Register by the administration, asylum seekers who pass through another country first will be ineligible for asylum at the U.S. southern border. That, of course, means just about everyone who enters at the southern border, I guess. Uh, Other than people who are actually from Mexico, I guess. The rule is expected to go into effect on Tuesday. It also applies to children who have crossed the border alone. They will no longer be allowed to declare asylum if this new regulation stands. Um... 
It applies to anyone arriving at the border, uh, the vast majority of which are coming right now from Central America. The move by uh, Donald Trump's administration, even if blocked by the courts, which given his record on these things in court so far, it is likely that it will be blocked. But either way, the move is reversing decades of U.S. policy on how refugees are treated and marks an escalation. Uh, even compared to other hardline efforts meant to choke off the flow of people from poor and war-torn nations coming here seeking asylum, safety, and the American dream in our country, a country built, by the way, on, uh, on well, immigrants like the ones that Donald Trump is trying to keep out right now. We used to welcome them with open arms. Uh, we have a statue in uh, New York Harbor to prove it. The uh, ACLU has already signaled they are planning to sue ACLU attorney uh, Lee Gallant, who has litigated some of the major challenges to the Trump administration's immigration policy, said the rule was unlawful. He said the rule, if upheld, would effectively eliminate asylum for those at the southern border. And that, he adds, is patently unlawful. U.S. law allows refugees to request asylum when they arrive at the U.S., regardless of how they did so. Trump administration officials say the changes are meant to close the gap between the initial asylum screening that most people pass and the final decision on asylum that most people do not win. Immigrant rights groups, religious leaders, humanitarian groups have said that the Republican administration's policies amount to a cruel effort to keep immigrants out of the country, particularly those from Guatemala, Honduras and El Salvador uh, in those uh, poor countries which are suffering from violence right now. There is yet another move. This is yet another move to turn refugees with well-founded fears of persecution back to places where their lives are in danger, says Eleanor Acer of the uh, Human Rights First campaign. She says the president cannot stand the fact that seeking protection in the U.S. is legal. So he is doing everything he can to make the asylum process as difficult as possible. Along with the administration's recent effort to send asylum seekers back over the border, Trump has tried to deny asylum to anyone crossing the border illegally and restrict who can claim asylum. And the attorney general recently tried to keep thousands of asylum seekers detained while their course, while their cases played out. Nearly all of those efforts have been blocked by the courts, which Trump and Mitch McConnell have not yet succeeded in entirely gutting uh, by placing Trump stooges throughout the federal court system. But they're working on it. Meanwhile, conditions have worsened for migrants who make it over the border, uh, seeking better lives here. Tens of thousands of Central American migrant families cross the border each month claiming asylum. The numbers have increased despite Trump's derisive rhetoric and hardline immigration policies. It's like the more he does, the more folks try to come here. In fact, as Sarah Pierce, the immigration attorney from the uh, Migration Policy uh, Institute, who we had on uh, last week, she explained on on this program that one of the reasons for the increase in the numbers at the border is because of Trump's hardline policies. Immigrants, uh, she told me, feel they uh, they better get here now rather than wait for later. 
when immigration could be entirely cut off. In the bargain, as the administration is doing everything they can to make life as terrible as possible for these people seeking a better life here in the ironically uh, described land of the free, Border facilities have been dangerously cramped and crowded well beyond capacity. The Department of Homeland Security's watchdog found fetid, filthy conditions for many children. Lawmakers um, who traveled there decried the conditions. And, uh, well, not Mike, uh, Vice President Mike Pence, though. He didn't decry the conditions. He visited an overcrowded, stench-filled holding facility over the weekend with hundreds of men jammed into cages without anything to sleep on or even room to sleep at all. Unless half the room stood while the other half laid down. They weren't allowed to take showers. Mike Pence seems to think things were just fine overall, apparently, because... I guess uh, that's how Jesus would have liked uh, poor immigrants treated. Of course, those who are not in holding pens apparently have had it far too easy in this country. So Trump projected last week, uh, as he did several weeks earlier uh, before saying he was calling it off, that thousands of migrant families would be rounded up by ICE beginning on Sunday, this past Sunday, in about 10 different major cities. That served to put both the immigrants... And the state and local officials for those cities on notice as uh, another weekend of fear and panic descended on America's great cities this week, with officials trying to explain legal rights to immigrants before Trump's deportation forces arrived to start knocking on doors and rounding up people in a, frankly, a startling echo of a very dark time in history about 80 years ago that some had vowed, at least, to never forget before apparently they went on to forget it and begin at least to repeat it here. Uh, joining us now for some news on the ground here in Los Angeles over uh, from over what must have been a, a very unsettling weekend for many in uh, immigrant communities here in L.A. and in the other cities around the country that were sort of put on notice by Donald Trump. Uh, is KPFK News Director Ernesto Arce. He's been uh, monitoring things beginning on Friday night with the uh, hashtag Lights for Liberty protests outside detention facilities across the country, uh, including here in L.A. And uh, through today, as uh, many folks have been on edge waiting for that knock at their door, Ernesto, thanks for joining us on the broadcast today. It's good to be on. Thanks, Brad. There is a uh, sort of a startling story in the New York Times today about a teenager who lives with her parents in Passaic, New Jersey. She got that knock on the door at 1 a.m. Uh, on Sunday uh, by uh, the Times reports that, uh, that, that, that she believed the people to have been ICE agents uh, they said, we need to talk to you. Can you come outside? Can you open the door? She said, do you have permission to come inside my house? Do you have a paper? Uh, they said, we're not trying to come inside your house. We just want to speak with you. And uh, she says that she told them, no, I'm not coming outside. This was, again, 1 a.m. on Sunday. Apparently, they left, but then they came back at 5 a.m. And she huddled with her parents, hidden, stricken with fear, this is the kind of horror that uh, people are beginning to see in this country. But here in L.A., uh, Ernesto, did we have any reports of this uh, happening at all around Los Angeles? Well, not so much 
beginning on Sunday, as so many people widely expected and so many local law enforcement agencies were bracing for. But I, I think with all the conversations about the Trump administration having emboldened racists, mm-hmm. the most important thing that I'm taking out of this is the Trump administration has also emboldened agencies, you know, some of the absolute worst characteristics of uh, individuals within these agencies, yeah. such as ICE, the Border Patrol, which yeah. we saw during the uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, visit to El Paso. Uh, just the absolute worst aspects and, and personality traits of some of these federal immigration agents have come to the forefront. And it's a, a very frightening prospect, um, as we saw, you know, not just with the, the situation in El Paso, Texas, yeah. but actually in, in many different agencies across the country. And I think um, uh, over the last two years, ICE has employed various tactics to arrest these individuals by mm-hmm. any means necessary. And we remember the case of um, a father of two young girls um, in Echo Park, and he was he was uh, pulled over as he dropped his daughter off to school. Yeah. Um, they surrounded him with his daughter, you know, kind of uh, looking back and saying, wait, what's happening to my dad as I'm walking onto the school grounds? I think it was a principal or a counselor that kind of pulled her in uh, saying, you know, just don't look back as her father was swooped up. Uh-huh. And that was a, a case uh, last March that actually made uh, pretty big news. I'm just remembering it and, right now. And, so I, and, and these are people, you, you talk about the people within the agencies. They're not necessarily, a, he's hired a lot of people for these agencies, but these are people right. who have uh, been around in ICPB, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. for some years. You're arguing that he is sort of uh, breaking their breaking their chains, freeing them. Sure. To, and, you know, We've we've had we're working on a really big story here in the KPFK mm-hmm. News about uh, deputy gangs inside the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, and we knew that they existed. De- deputy under gangs, deputy gangs inside the LA LA County Sheriff's Department, right? And we know that uh, under Lee Baca, and even before Lee Baca, you know Sher- Sherman Block, back back in the olden times, the as they sheriff, say, yeah. yeah, all these former LA County Sheriff deputies, uh, or rather LA County Sheriffs. Um, we knew that there was always malfeasance and corruption mm-hmm. and, and you know, abuse of, of power, but never to the degree that we're actually seeing it being exposed now. Um, and, and some might argue, well, we have access to social media. Some of these deputies are pretty irresponsible the way they uh, publicize it and, uh, you know, now take pictures on Instagram of their tattoos. Yeah. But we know that there's always been uh, agencies that have uh, gone uh, beyond what the law permits, right. uh, you know the two thousand boys in the men's central jail, uh, the Castaic boys up in um, uh, up at the Castaic jail in L.A., the Linwood and 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 Compton Sheriff's Department, all the, all the, these like small cliques that um, they would actually uh, reward each other for beating up as many suspects mm. as possible, um, roughing people up in jail, you know. Us, in those corners where and, cameras weren't allowed, you know the yeah, and that and that was before Donald Trump. Yeah, are you, are you suggesting yeah, well, that this he's is, freed the the local right. agencies up as well for even worse behavior? I would say absolutely, and part part of that is the evidence that we now have with um, you know not just the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, but also the CPB, you know the California uh, uh, Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know we now know about these message boards in which they're sending absolutely 
you know, horrific images yeah. and, and you, know, call, you know, saying AOC should be assassinated. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's mm-hmm. the uh, uh, freshman con- Congress member from New York, um, you know, saying that, hey, you know, we should round these people up, you know, talking openly, talking about raping um, uh, undocumented immigrants that are in their custody. We're talking about a culture of uh, an institutionalized culture of lawlessness, um, of overt racism. Um, and it's, it's quite frank, quite frankly, it's, it's terrifying and it's horrific. And that is sort of the atmosphere in which we then arrived this weekend with these threats from, uh, from the administration, from ICE, from Donald Trump, that he would, that there were going to start roundups of thousands of, uh, immigrant families. So I think that tweet came out two weeks ago in which Donald Trump said, this is the beginning of our efforts to deport millions of people right. back to their countries, and so that kind of caught the um, caught the attention of a lot of uh, journalists. Who you know, a lot of people uh, uh, contacted me. The, the you know, just moments after yeah. that tweet was sent out, and um, and then of course you know we kind of caught onto the language. The beginning of millions. Okay, well we know that this president has exaggerated and has just gone beyond all logic and reason. So we understood that. Okay, well if if he's talking about this is a new action that's going to be launched very soon. We knew to take it seriously to, mm-hmm. to some some um, to some degree. Now, what we do know is that um, uh, uh, you know that a couple of thousand people are going to be targeted nationwide. Is this out of the ordinary? Not necessarily. Of those two thousand, about two to three hundred people are being targeted in the Los Angeles metro area. Not out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. I, I think probably similar numbers, um, not over one week or one weekend. And of course, we don't know the specifics. Right. You know, no one's talking. We've we've called ICE, uh, ICE's office here in Los Angeles. They're not divulging any information, not confirming even specifics of what has been mentioned in national news reports about, well, who are these 200 individuals? The only thing they are saying is that all of these 200 individuals have received final deportation orders. In other words, they've ignored their final deportation order to mm-hmm. um, arrive or to present at present themselves mm-hmm. to air, to sites like the Los Angeles Metropolitan Detention Center, which is one of the sites, one of the 700 sites of the Lights for Liberty rallies that occurred on Friday. Uh, present yourself for final uh, deportation. So and they we, failed to do that. These yeah, are they have failed they've to ignored, do that. They've ignored so is those it, is final directives. Is it possible, uh, speaking with Ernesto Arce, uh, KPFK uh, news director here, I- is it possible, Ernesto, that really nothing is going to happen? In other words, nothing above and beyond what they weren't already planning on doing, what they already do from day to day, that this roundup that uh, Donald Trump has announced is really about uh, you know, striking fear into the hearts of uh, not just the immigrant communities, by the way, because there's a lot of U.S. citizens who live in these uh, community of immigrants. Absolutely. Uh, that it is just really for show, for his base, that there's not really this massive immigrant roundup coming as he has been now threatening for weeks. Well, I will say this. This is my personal opinion. With uh, his re-election campaign kicking into high gear, he wants his base to know that he is doing everything he can to deport the you know, 11 or so million mm-hmm. people that are living in the country without documents, without permission. Um, I think he would like – I think you're probably right that this is a PR fir- – this is some sort of PR move. This is um, – it's it's rattling the cages. It's uh, it's instigating fear in the community, and I think it uh, his hope or maybe the hope of uh, definitely not 
ICE's um, opinion because ICE is already, you know, the, the director of ICE has already butted heads with uh, with uh, President Trump saying, you know, wait a minute, we do not have the manpower. We don't have the resources. Mm-hmm. We can't do this. The only thing we do know about what was happening or what was expected to happen beginning on Sunday, which was actually initially supposed to be last Sunday, uh, yeah. was, is that the LA County sheriffs and the LAPD have both confirmed that, yes, we have been contacted by ICE. We know that there are large operations in in the planning process. We don't know when they're going to happen, but yes, they are going to happen. It, well, is how is the community reacting? That's what I'm concerned about. Because whether the whether these roundups actually happen or not, I suspect they're having an effect on yes. on it, the people. I would think I, this I, I would think be the freaking pres- me out if I, I think was the Trump administration a- would like people to self deport, which right. is what happened after uh, 1992-1993's Proposition 187 here mm-hmm. in California, where um, reports from MALDEF, the Mexican American Legal Defense and Education Fund, had uh, confirmed that actually quite a f- maybe tens of th- as many as tens of thousands of undocumented immigrants self deported back to Central America, South America. Mexico, um, as a result of um, the fear that uh, they under from what they understood, um, they didn't understand maybe that the, that a law had to be passed. And mm-hmm. even when California voters overwhelmingly approved Proposition One One Eighty Seven, who I might, which I might add, was an absolutely inhumane. Uh, racist, xenophobic law. Um, it still had to be passed by the California Supreme mm-hmm. Court after the appeals process. Mm-hmm. So anyways, to make a long story short, um, a lot of them didn't understand that and thought um, teachers were going to be uh, uh, jailing their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, doctors or healthcare professionals were going to be pu- pulling them aside and calling uh, the law mm-hmm. enforcement on them. And so there was a real fear. And so I think he'd like he'd like to return to that that state of fear. He'd like people to self-deport. He'd like people to be afraid and say, hey, you know what? We got final deportation orders. Let's just go. And is it working? You've been talking with people so in the communities we, here we've in been, LA. We've been covering, we've been covering, covering immigration uh, issues for for the 14 years that I've been here. Yep. We've been doing it on a pretty regular basis, mm-hmm. especially at post uh Proposition 187 in the 90s, especially post 20, uh, you know, 9/11, mm-hmm. uh, after the uh, the terrorist attacks, but uh, especially now, you know, since the million plus people came out to downtown LA uh, to protest the Sensenbrenner bill, um, there has been a very powerful immigrant rights community and immigrant rights advocacy movement here in the United States. Nowhere as strong as here in Southern California in Los Angeles. You have uh, Caresen, the Central American Resource Center. You have Chidla, the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights of Los Angeles. You have the ACLU of Southern California, which just filed a lawsuit against the federal government on Thursday. That's the ACLU of Southern California, by Mm -hmm. the way, not the ACLU National, who went to New York City to file a lawsuit um, against the federal government saying uh, or alleging that due process requires that the government... um, uh, who has arrested families and children, bring them before a judge so that they can have a day in court before being deported. So the ACLU is saying there's a violation of due process. And more importantly, uh, it's an issue of life and death for many of these migrants that are crossing over into the U.S.-Mexico border. And they must have a day in court. To deny them of that day in court is a violation of the U.S. Constitution. And so we'll, we'll see how that happens. But uh, get, getting back to, the, uh, to your question and to my answer, yeah. um, there is a wide movement. You know, the ACLU and groups like Chidla and Caresen, Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund, um, the um, 
uh, Hermandad Mexicana, uh, Mexican Brotherhood, uh, an organization that oof, uh, founded by Bert Corona back in the 60s. Uh, all of these organizations, they understood, even back in the 60s, you know, Bert Corona understood that, wait, there was a Mexican, um, uh, the, the, the Mass Mexican Exclusion Act, which deported um, hundreds of thousands of U.S. citizens, yeah. you know, U.S.-born Mexicans and said, you know, take a, a, one, a wonderful trip to Mexico, we will pay for it. And, you know, that was a, they didn't know it was a one-way trip mm. to Mexico. Mm. So, you know, they know U.S. history. They yeah. know U.S. history in the 20th century. And so these groups were organized to fight exactly what is happening right now, which is uh, a fear in the community. But most importantly, I think the, the, the biggest um, phrase that we can come out with in this movement is resistance. And so you've got all these groups that are not just organizing the Lights for Liberty, but a couple days before we had um, groups organizing all of these different actions saying, we are going to defend our community against any type of raid, against any type of what we believe is an unlawful action by federal ICE agents. So is it fair to say after all of these years here in L.A., this particular community, maybe even more so than uh, communities around the, uh, the the country, I mean, it was, it was that woman I, I mentioned uh, from New Jersey. She had heard, she had been told about her rights if someone comes knocking on the door and they don't have papers to come in to don't let them in. You don't have to let them in. We have a history in this city, in this community, uh, this county, I guess, L.A., this area, uh, Southern California, of knowing what to do and how to not be afraid exactly. uh, of these uh, roundups. And I think that information is vitally important to what this movement has accomplished over the last 20 years. And so you had groups like all the ones that I've mentioned before handing out little red cards, know your rights, conozca sus derechos, know what it is that you can do if someone knocks on your door, demand to see a deportation order, demand to see a, uh, a judge's order of, uh, of, of entry, you know, legal mm-hmm. entry into a home, demand to see, make sure that it all uh, matches up, have them hold on for as long as possible so that you can confirm that that information is actually uh, you, that, that uh, they mm-hmm. have the correct information. If anything is wrong on there, give it back to them and say, this is not me. Um, you know, I'm not opening the door. Yeah, I was going to say, do not open the door. Do Let not open the door. It, they'll slide the papers underneath. Interestingly enough, now we have like the highest leaders in our county, Los Angeles County Supervisor Hilda Solis, the former mm-hmm. uh, Secretary of uh, Labor under mm-hmm. uh, President Obama. But she's actually come out to say, taken quite a militant stance that would would be unheard of 20 years ago during Proposition 187. She said, do not open the door. Do not coordinate. Do not um, do not work with, with ICE agents. If they're asking questions, they have to bring a judge. Don't just don't open the door. So she's taking, you know, and I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear that it is not striking fear into the hearts of right. uh, of the community. Uh, I know it certainly would if I felt they were coming for me. Uh, but there was uh, I'm running late here, but I want to try to get this in real quick. There was a I think a sense of resolve. Uh, in the community, as you called it, a resistance in the community. They were co- they came together uh, to take on a common enemy, I think, and that happens to be, in this case, the U.S. government right now, at least the branch of the government under the command of Donald Trump, uh, with these protests on Friday night in advance of the planned or announced roundups. Uh, but it was inspiring in some places. Here in Los Angeles, outside of the, I think this was the L.A. Detention Center, uh, a, a choir broke out in song in support of the migrants who were being held inside the facility. Here's just a little bit of what that sounded like. I woke up this morning with my mind. Spirit. 
There was uh, said to be about 4,000 people at that protest. Governor Gavin Newsom uh, tweeted out that video clip saying, this is the spirit of California raising our voices to fight for our values and principles as a beacon of light. Uh, Ernesto, were you at that uh, particular protest? I was in San Bernardino, so we had, there was over 700 events, including one in West Hollywood, one in the San Fernando Valley. We had one, uh, um, many uh, Inland Empire groups actually got together and and, uh, headed over to downtown San Bernardino at the uh, ICE detention facility there. Um, A very moving ceremony, uh, as has been many of the the events and efforts over the last two to three weeks, uh, where the community comes together and says, you know, undocumented and unafraid is one of the main phrases. Nice. And, um, and yeah, you know, abolish ICE and, uh, you know, we're not going to take this standing down, uh, you know, sitting down I, anymore. Yeah. So all, all very motivational. Um, people are, re- you know, people are uh, unwilling to uh, to put up with uh, fear mongering and terrorizing of, of a community. I'm glad to hear that. That makes me feel at least slightly better yes. after this uh, after this weekend, after these horrific tweets from Donald Trump. I'm going to talk about those in a second, along with uh, your calls. If you'd like to ring in on any of this, 818-985-5735 is our phone number, 818-985-KPFK. Uh, Ernesto, I really appreciate you uh, keeping us up to date here. If this uh, persist because now they're saying, well, we're gonna, we're still planning to round up millions. We're just going to be doing it over a number of weeks. Please stay in touch. Love to have you back if anything changes here Absolutely. on the ground in Los Angeles. Anytime. Thanks, Thank you, Brett. brother. Ernesto Arce, right. news director of KPFK. You can, of course, find his work at kpfk.org, and you can harass him on the Twitters at Reporter Arce. That's A-R-C-E. Thank you, brother. We're going to take a quick break Thanks. and come back with uh, your calls uh, and this uh, uh, irritating uh, is a nice way to put it. Uh, offensive, disgusting, appalling series of tweets from the president of the United States over the weekend and continuing today. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate And thanks. I think there's a strategy to divide the country because the more this country is divided, the more he benefits from it. Yes. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com on the highway to hell. Uh, John Cooper, who's a Democratic activist, a former Obama campaign official, he tweeted out yesterday a sign from President Barack Obama Boulevard. And I'm not sure which town it was in. Uh, Along with the thought, he tweeted hundreds of roads, parks, schools and other landmarks have been named in honor of Barack Obama since he left office. What do you think will be named after Donald Trump? George Conway responded. He's the conservative attorney and the, I guess we can call him, contrarian husband of senior White House advisor Kellyanne Conway. He rang in with his response to Cooper. 
He said, the highway to hell. That would be named after Donald Trump. Sounds about right. Uh, We are speeding down that highway even as we speak today after Trump's weekend tweets, which... Frankly, I can't even believe that I have to discuss. Uh, I don't want to discuss them, as I mentioned at the top of the show. But the fact that um, if if we don't, if we don't, if we don't at least take time to condemn them for what they are, which is appalling, racist, xenophobic, uh, fear mongering, I'm not even sure what to call it. then this is just going to get worse. It may get worse anyway. But, uh, you know, I have to at least uh, call it out here a little bit. Uh, He said, of course, on Sunday, if you haven't heard, that four minority uh, progressive congresswomen who have been critical of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, by the way, that they should go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came. Donald Trump tweeted, prompting other Democrats, including Pelosi, to leap to the defense of these four women and leading most of the Republicans to cower in their holes, frightened to even condemn this blatant racism from the president of the United States. Nancy Pelosi denounced the tweets as xenophobic comments meant to to divide our nation. Uh, Trump's remark uh, swiftly united a House uh, Democratic caucus that had been sort of at war with each other in recent days, uh, infighting between Pelosi and those four freshman women of color. That would be Democratic Congresswoman Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, and Elon Omar of Minnesota. Trump kicked off this uh, furor uh, with a string of tweets before heading to his golf club in Sterling, Virginia, on Sunday morning, according to The Washington Post. So, you know, a little racism before teeing off, Mr. President. Sounds nice. He began the tweet. Uh, he said, so interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. That was Trump's tweet, one of them. Now, it was obnoxious. It was clearly both sexist and especially racist, as he was arguing uh, that, you know, for women of color in the U.S., though, um, you know, that there was others, of course, who came from elsewhere in the world. But he seemed to be focusing on those four women. But you know what? The part about uh, the fact that they, quote, originally coming from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe and the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world. Well, maybe he had maybe he was a bit uh, more accurate than he intended, because three of the four of those women that he was clearly referring to were actually born in the United States, where our government is, of course, yes, now a complete and total catastrophe and arguably the most corrupt and inept, certainly in the history of this country anyway, under the stable genius hand of Donald Trump. For the record, Presley was born in Cincinnati. Tlaib was born in Detroit. Ocasio-Cortez born in New York, just about 20 miles from where Donald Trump was born or hatched, or dropped here from an alien world, I don't know. 
Omar uh, was born in Mogadishu, Somalia. Her family fled the country amid a civil war there when she was a child, and she became a U.S. citizen as a teenager before eventually becoming a U.S. congresswoman, which in previous years is something that we'd all be celebrating as a tremendous success story, a great American story to be proud of. Many of us uh, still do actually celebrate that, but not racist presidents of the United States, apparently. They all pushed back on Twitter. Um, and I will get to some of your calls on this. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-5735. Um, they, uh, yeah, they, they pushed back. Uh, about 90 different Democrats pushed back. Good luck finding a Republican, however, who was willing to push back at this blatant racism. Um, Presley said in a statement that it should come as no surprise that a man who has made it his goal to dehumanize and rip apart immigrant families would so brazenly display the racism that drives his policies. Omar wrote that as members of Congress, the only country we swear an oath to is the United States. Tlaib warned, I am fighting corruption in our country. Keep talking. You'll be out of the White House soon. I know Ocasio-Cortez had a string of uh, tweets defiantly addressing Donald Trump. She said, Mr. President, the country I, quote, come from and the country we all swear to is the United States. But given how you've destroyed our border with inhumane camps, all at a benefit to you and the corporations who profit off them. You are absolutely right about the corruption laid at your feet. You, she wrote, are angry because you don't believe in an America where I represent New York 14, where the good people of Minnesota elected Elon Omar, where Rashida Tlaib fights for Michigan families, where Ayanna Presley champions little girls in Boston, you are angry because you can't conceive of an America that includes us. You rely on a frightened America for your plunder. You won't accept a nation that sees health care as a right or education as a number one priority, especially where we're the ones fighting for it. Yet here we are. But you know... What's the rub of all of this, Mr. President? On top of not accepting an America that elected us, you cannot accept that we don't fear you either. You can't accept that we will call your bluff and offer a positive vision for this country. And that's what makes you seethe. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez replying to Donald Trump's horrific racist quotes, which he's doubled down on today, claiming that, oh, Nancy Pelosi in defending those women, that she's the real racist and that all of them owe him an apology somehow. Yes, he actually said that. Quick break and we'll come back with your calls. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Ooh, 
Yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was a song has been breaking out apparently all over the country on the streets uh, over the past few days. We played you the uh, choir breaking out during the protest in uh, out here in in Los Angeles, the protest against uh, Donald Trump's detention policies. That was a broad, the Broadway cast of, is it Hades Town? Is that uh, Yes, who that was? was the cast of Hades Town, and they basically, their show was unable to continue. It was canceled because of the blackout in New York City on Saturday night, right before curtain time. So instead, they serenaded all the people on the streets. On the streets. It was fantastic. This was a, an improvised song. They yep. weren't the only ones. There was a, a quartet of violinists outside of Carnegie Hall. And a big choir, the Millennial Chorus, and opera company that's a group of multi-state uh, singers from all over the country who got together all and making the best they all of went it. outside and made the best of it and uh, do we know why that um, no we don't yet know uh, con ed that's the uh, power company yeah. for new york city they say it is still under investigation they're not exactly sure what happened well hey good thing it wasn't on election day because if it had been on election day and if it had been for example here in los angeles where we're going to 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems on election day that require power no one would have been able to vote Anyway, let's get to your phones. Uh, I don't even did I say Brad Friedman, Brad Blog, uh, Bradcast. Uh, that's what that's what you're listening to. Let's go to Mike in Monrovia. Hey, Mike, welcome to the Bradcast, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, Brad. Well, I was in Monrovia. Now I'm all the way in West Covina, so we're keeping on, keeping on. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I hope that means you're driving, but driving safely with a headset or pulled over safely to the side of the oh. road, sir. You're, you you, and Desi have been playing through the Bluetooth speaker in my vehicle for the last hour. So, yep, oh, I'm good. Ready. Sorry about that. Okay, good. What's on your it's mind, right. brother? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm literally what my, my grandfather, World War II veteran, fought with Patton's uh, Panther Corps and literally came home and told my grandmother and told my dad, told me as I was a kid coming up, about what it was like to liberate Bergen-Belsen. And the stories of what he saw and the things that he spoke about are nearly, nearly coming true here in America in 2019. And I'm, I'm scared to death. I hear you, brother. Uh, I would say don't be scared. Uh, st- stay tough. But uh, I hear you. And the fact that, you know, there was a, a group of uh, Jews who were arrested outside one of the, uh, um, well, one of the camps, one of the concentration camps recently protesting these uh, facilities who said, yeah, they, they are. They are concentration camps. And they were holding up signs that said when we said, uh, uh, you know, always remember, we meant always remember. Never forget means never forget. And, of course, they were arrested and, and thrown in jail. So people need to pay attention. This is serious business, Mike. It really is. And the fact is, is that it's business as usual in this country underneath this regime. And like you said, what... What really scares me is is that we've got to go to this next election, and I've heard folks say impeach, and we I think, you know, I'm all for it. I want it to happen, but, you know, um, Clinton was impeached, and we, he, he still finished out his term. We need to vote this guy out, and we need to start doing the grassroots movement to ensure that we consider the Electoral College. We make sure every single voting booth is open. I listen to Greg Tallis all the time, and it makes sure all of those folks in Georgia, in Ohio, that they're back on the roll. They all need to make sure that all of their 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 uh, that their voting registrations mm-hmm. are legit. 
and we if we don't do it, he's gonna do hate. And uh, we can't we can't we can't let that happen. No, I hear you, and of course we talk about that a lot on this show. About five days a week, we talk about the uh, you know the need to make sure that you're registered, to make sure that you vote, to make sure that your vote is counted accurately, and in a way that we can know it will be counted accurately. And uh, if you are concerned you sh- about all of this, you should be concerned about the fact that the largest voting jurisdiction in the nation, which is Los Angeles County, is moving to 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems before the 20. 20- 20 primaries. Mike, I got to uh, get to some other calls. Uh, didn't mean to frighten you there on the road. Drive safely, my friend. We'll uh, we'll get through this. We'll uh, get through this mess together. And by the way, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi has announced she's uh, going to hold a vote, a resolution against Donald Trump's uh, racist tweets. Uh, that's good. She says it's got to stop. You know, another way this stops, this stops. Uh, when you begin holding impeachment uh, hearings against this guy, this stops when uh, the entire country can see how corrupt and criminal this otherwise disgusting and racist man actually is. And that happens via an impeachment inquiry for my money. It's also the right thing to do. Uh, let's go to Lerner in Ukaipa. Hey, Lerner, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I want to read a portion of a statement released by Marriott International last Thursday. Okay. It says, Our hotels are not configured to be detention facilities, but to be open to guests and community members as well. Marriott has made the decision to decline any request to use our hotels as detention facilities. Good. And apparently, um, Choice Hotels has made released a similar statement, so they're not cooperating with ICE. Good, because there's they got no place to hold these people. They're already overcrowded, and they were talking about putting them up in various hotels around the country. I'm glad to hear that Marriott will not do that. I hope that the other hotels do the same thing uh, and do not work with these people to imprison people in this country. Lerner, I really appreciate you. Thanks. I know you were on hold for a while. Thanks for uh, uh, ringing in with that. I hadn't heard that Marriott had uh, had denounced that and said that they would not allow their hotels at least to be used for that. Uh, let's go to Gigi. Oh, good to see you from Gigi. Gigi in Pasadena. Welcome uh, welcome back to the broadcast, Gigi. Hi, Brad. Hi, Gigi. Can you hear me? I, I, I hear you. Your phone's kind of crackly, though, so uh, we got to jump right in and uh, hope... Okay, yeah, what do you got? Um, I think um, the real problem is that we have no sense, or should I say no knowledge, oh, I hear the cracking, now hurry up, of history. Uh, The Native Americans and African Americans have been here, well, the Natives are the OG originals, and then they, you know, they stole the the labor and brought it over here, and the Africans have been here. Uh, Trump seems to believe that for some reason that the only people that have been here um, are the whites, and I'm biracial, so I can go from both sides here. I'm not trying to put mm-hmm. anyone down. But that we, the whites have been here from the beginning and created all of this, and that everyone of color should be doggone grateful. And I think he gets really, he finds it really uh, he, uh, upsetting, I think personally disturbing, if someone wants to make the place better or change yeah. uh, America. And he takes it so personally, how dare you, and get out, just like Colin when he took the knee. Well, I have some other points, but my phone, I can hear. Yeah, it's, it's really bad this time, okay. uh, Gigi. But hit us again next time. It's always good to hear from you. Uh, thanks, Gigi, for the call. And, uh, you know, I should note, it's not just immigrants. Uh, it's specific immigrants of color. Because, after all, Donald Trump has married 
at least two different immigrants that we know of. His uh, his mother, I think, was an immigrant. His, his grandparents were immigrants. Of course, they were from Europe. They are white-ish. So I guess that's the type of immigrant we're just fine with. Uh, very quickly, do I, I can fit another one or two in. Bill, uh, Bill in Santa Monica. Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Brad. Hey. Um, I, I was watching Real Democracy at Work in Hong Kong the past month. And I don't understand the way there's so many people who feel like I do about those concentration camps. If someone had a platform and can organize it, why not just a million people just walk down there and take the kids out of those concentration camps and everybody else, actually? I mean, it would have to be organized as what to do in the aftermath. But what could government do about that if a million people just went in the street and got the kids? Well, uh, we saw what they did with it uh, during the Occupy protests, and they crushed what, the people with tear gas many, and military and tanks. wasn't a million people. wasn't a million. wasn't a million people. Yeah. All right. I hear you. Uh, it... it could get ugly. I'm not against well, it. Then it but, may have yeah. to get ugly. Yeah. No. I, but they're I not. I'll tell you what. Those guards at the facilities wouldn't do a damn thing if people just watched down there. And you had pediatricians and you had psychiatric uh, pediatricians and psychology pediatricians. Yep. And a place to put those kids. But well, we could go down there and take those kids instead of talking about, like I heard about the 30s, how everybody felt so horrible. We have a chance to do something about it, and the, the Hong Kong people showed us the way. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate that call. Uh, I got to give uh, Morris here uh, ten seconds, as usual. Hey, Morris, you got ten. Go, brother. Hey, listen. We need to develop some water pipelines around this country, not oil pipelines. Some water pipelines. Remember the droughts they got in Arizona before? We need some water pipelines. We got a psychopath in the White House. We know that, but we can't privatize water now. This stuff then got serious. Get us some water pipelines that we can move water all around the United States. Thanks, Thanks brother. Thanks, man. Sorry, I have to give a short shrift. Uh, Morris, greatly appreciate it. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our uh, board op, D'Angelo Jones, to my guest today, KPFK News Director Ernesto Arce, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Download our shows anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am The Brad Blog. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.